0: This morning's reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, The word of the Lord.
1: A reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them the word of the lord be to
2: god. let's pray holy 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 are you lord god almighty the whole earth is full of your glory, O Lord. Give, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word to us this morning. Amen. We're going to begin this morning by exercising our imaginations. Bear with me. Imagine that it is a Sunday morning in early June. And that you've come to church and are sitting in church. Not too hard so far, right? Uh, But then imagine that we have begun our service. And we are sitting, hearing the reading that we just heard Jen read from Isaiah. And imagine that as we reach the phrase, holy, 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 suddenly, the light in here begins to change. And it grows dim down here, but up, farther up, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter, dazzling. And then imagine that above the table, up there, an image appears, a figure. And it's too bright to look at directly. But his glory is such that it seems to fill the entire place and be spilling out of it. And then imagine that above this figure, are other figures, creatures, the like of which you've never seen before, all on fire, fiery beings with wings, flying as if on guard above the figure. And they're crying out, holy, to each other. And imagine that each time they cry, the whole building shakes. And then the place fills with smoke. Imagine your reaction. How would you feel? If you're like the prophet Isaiah, or if you're like anyone else in all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, being given the merest glimpse of God's glory would be utterly terrifying. And if you managed not to lose consciousness entirely, you would find yourself prostrate Flat on your face, in abject fear and wonder, as the holiness of God, as the absolute moral purity of God became real and manifest before you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Today is Trinity Sunday. As Tim mentioned, it's the day when we celebrate the anniversary of Little Trinity as a church. And the day in the church calendar year where we celebrate the mystery and the revelation of the Holy Trinity three persons in one God. It's a day to rejoice in the revelation of God as Father, God as Son, and God as Holy Spirit three persons, one God. And this church was named after the Trinity. And so we celebrate today not only God's awesome holiness and beauty and mystery, but also God's faithfulness and work in and through the little Trinity community through its history. Most preachers kind of dread preaching Trinity Sunday, and typically the person on the bottom of the totem pole, the preaching totem pole, gets Trinity Sunday. Uh, (laughs) So I have actually had it a number of times. Uh, (laughs) And I actually love Trinity Sunday because I uh, mostly don't attempt to explain the unexplainable, which is inevitably going to lead to heresy. Uh, Instead, I revel in the mystery. I revel in the fact that we can't explain God fully. For me, it's a reminder that for now we see in part, that we see through a glass darkly the language of the Apostle Paul, That no matter how much education we get, how much Bible reading we do, how much wisdom we accumulate, God will always be bigger than what we can comprehend. And this passage from Isaiah chapter 6 is one of the classic texts for Trinity Sunday for a few reasons. There are three holies, holy, holy, holy. And ancient church fathers and people since have seen that as a nod to the Trinity, God, when he speaks, says, who will go for us? Again, a plural that appears out of nowhere that people over time have seen as a reference to the Trinity. And then for New Testament writers, this passage from Isaiah was really important. All the gospel writers referenced it. The Apostle Paul referenced it. And they referred to it as speaking, as Isaiah speaking through, or um, the Holy Spirit speaking through Isaiah about Jesus, So we see in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, that John references Isaiah 6, saying the prophet Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. In other words, that the Lord of hosts that was in uh, Isaiah's vision was Jesus on the throne. And then in Acts, chapter 28, the Apostle Paul again quotes this passage, and he says it was the Holy Spirit speaking through Isaiah. So there we have all the members of the Trinity present and working in Isaiah's vision. It's a beautiful thing. But this passage also, I think, is a powerful one to celebrate our anniversary as a church. Because these verses from Isaiah are a wonderful picture of the work that God does in people, that he did in Isaiah and that he has done through little Trinity down through time and continues to do in us today. And this work follows a simple pattern. God reveals himself in his glory, in his holiness. And that in turn exposes a lack of holiness in us, the ways we fall short. But he doesn't leave us there. Through Christ, he forgives us and raises us up, which in turn equips us through the Holy Spirit to go out and do his work in the world. Revelation of our sin in light of God's glory, forgiveness and restoration in Christ, and equipping for ministry. We see that same pattern in Ephesians, the reading that we heard just this morning. We were dead in our trespasses. God made us alive and raised us up with Christ, and God prepared good works for us to do. And this was Isaiah's story as well. In the year that King Uzziah died, that's 754 BC for those who care, the prophet Isaiah writes, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood seraphim. And this word only appears in Isaiah, and it literally means fiery beings, maybe fiery lizards. We don't know anything more about it, except that they are there By God calling to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the whole house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King. The Lord of glory, woe is me, I am lost, or ruined, or silenced, as the word can mean. The great prophet Isaiah, the loyal, devoted spokesperson to God, to the Israelite nation, is so overwhelmed by his sin in the face of a holy God that he is silenced, ruined, lost, In Christian thought, there are two different and equal truths about God that are held constantly in tension. God is imminent. God is meaning, which means God is here, close, present with us in our world and in our troubles. God is relatable. And then the other one is that God is transcendent, meaning divine, separate, and holy, far beyond our comprehension, unrelatable. Unrelatable. As Christians, and especially in our tradition, we love to think about God's imminence. I know I do. It's so much easier. God is near to us. God is warm and loving and forgiving and all these things are absolutely true and vital. And they are a part of what Jesus revealed and taught to us about his father. And I love picturing that aspect of God as a mother comforts her child Isaiah says about God, so I will comfort you, warm, tender, forgiving, and merciful. I have far more trouble, however, with the transcendence of God, his holiness, his majesty, his otherness. Numbers twenty-three nineteen says that God is not human, that he should lie, a human being that he should change his mind. He is not us. One author writes that God is radically different from us. In degree and kind, he is ontologically dissimilar. Wholly other, dangerous, alien, wild. And these are not words that show up in our worship services or worship songs very often. If ever, other, dangerous, alien, wild. There's an off, often quoted line from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, which holds so much truth. The children are in this land of Narnia and they're learning about Aslan, the great lion who represents God in Narnia. And they ask, once they find out if he's a, that he's a lion, they ask if he's safe. Safe, replies the beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And the truth shown to us throughout all of scripture is that a mere glimpse of God in all his glory, in all of his holiness, is enough to strike terror into the hearts of the most devout believers. Who said anything about safe? And yet, and yet, he is good. This is our God, a God whose love is as powerful and as true as his holiness, a God whose desire to be in relationship with us is as strong as his hatred for sin, and so he acted. He did not leave us separate and broken. He acted for Isaiah, and he sent his servant, this flaming being, this seraphim, with a coal from the altar of atonement, to take away his sin, to be able to stand in relationship with him, stand before him in boldness without fear and say, here I am, send me. And our story is the same. God has acted for us in sending his son Jesus to take on all of our unholiness and to atone for all of it. 2 Corinthians 5 Is an amazing verse. I remember when it first hit me like a sledgehammer. And it says this. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness, the holiness of God in him. In Christ, we are made holy. We are made righteous and able to stand in his utterly holy presence without fear. And without shame, because our sin has been removed and has been destroyed completely. Author Drew Dick writes this, Only when we rediscover the holiness of God will we be overwhelmed by his love. Only then will we realize how truly good the news of the gospel is, that this holy God turns out to be a lover. That the temple curtain designed to protect us, is now torn to let us in. But let's never forget he's still the God of Isaiah 6. His throne is still exalted. The seraphim still cry holy, and so must we. Isaiah's guilt was taken away, and his sin was atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The love that we find there at the throne of grace, the holiness that is almost but not too bright for us, calls forth from us a response. Our own love and our own desire to join in this work of re-creation, of re holification the redemption of of all creation. And this is the natural response of truly understanding the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, We want to share it with the whole world. Little Trinity has a beautiful history of this, both in word and in deed. One of the first things that I did when I got here was I got a copy of the book that Alan Hayes wrote about the history of Little T. I know many of you have read it, and I poured through that thing. And it was so exciting to read about the ways that Little T has acted on its love for God and love for the world. It existed to serve the needy from the beginning, as Alan Hayes writes. And it has always had a strong sense of mission, sending people out around the world uh, to tell the good news of the life and freedom that can be found in Jesus Christ. But it also has a strong and amazing history of living out that good news practically here in the city of Toronto, of sharing food and clothing and shelter with those in need. And I'll share one beautiful example of this from our history before I close. Hilliard Cameron Dixon, 1851 to 1927. He was the nephew of one of the founders of Little T, Alexander Dixon. And as a young man, he experienced a dramatic renewal of his faith, and it pushed him. He devoted himself to Bible teaching and to welfare work. When he was appointed rector at the age of 55, here at Little Trinity, he continued that work. He developed a team, a team of women, of deaconesses, and Alan Hayes writes this. What made Little Trinity's reputation in the city of Toronto, and in fact, around the country, was Dixon's wholehearted, unflagging response to the extreme poverty of the neighborhood. The church itself was too poor to contribute large amounts of money to this work, but relief agencies donated supplies. Increasingly, as Dixon's work became publicized, he received donations from across the country. His team handed out bags of food, delivered coal, sent women and children on trips into the country where they could get fresh air. He would be seen rolling barrels of apples down to hungry family a hungry family down the street, regardless of what faith they were from, and they were often from different faiths, he said in 1914, we have not allowed one family that we knew of to go hungry. What a statement. That's amazing. And what I find even more amazing is that although Dixon died in 1927, his work continues today. His work was so inspiring that after his death in 1929, local people began a soup kitchen in the neighborhood, and they called it Dixon Hall, a way of carrying on his work in the King and Parliament neighborhood. And Dixon Hall today, as their website states, is a multi-service agency and serves more than 10,000 people annually, impacting the lives of the most vulnerable and the most at-risk members of our community. We work with at-risk youth, seniors, adults with physical and health disabilities, people who need housing, individuals in search of employment, those with mental health issues, and newly immigrated individuals and their families. All of this inspired by the people of Little Trinity under the leadership of Hilliard Dixon and continuing today. And this is not the only story. There are others, I don't have time to tell them, but Loft Community Services, which is well known to many in the city, stands for Leap of Faith Together, they started at Little Trinity. There are others. There have been so much signs of God's work here that have spread out to bless the city of Toronto and the world. This has been Little Trinity's history and it continues to be our story today. Tim spoke last Sunday of how we're in a time of renewed revelation of God. People among us, telling of how God has been at work in their lives. And we're also in a time of repentance that comes naturally with revelation. As we see both how beautiful God is and how we have fallen short, and we come to him to be made whole. And that repentance in turn leads to new life. A new life that spreads far beyond these four walls as we share our love and our hope with those around us, both in word and in deed. On this anniversary Sunday, let's recommit to this work of God in our lives and in this church of Little Trinity. Let's pray for eyes to see the signs of God's presence among us. Let's pray and fast for softening of our hearts to be open to the repentance that comes with that. Let's receive the forgiveness and new life that comes with repentance that enables us to stand in the presence of Almighty God in confidence and faith and love. And let's listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit guides us forward into the good works that God has already prepared. For us to do. In our work this year of discerning the ways that God is calling us to love our neighbors better, I believe it starts with this. A yearning for an increased, renewed sense of the holiness and mystery and beauty of God. A willingness to fall down on our knees in repentance and receive new life. And an openness to hearing how God wants us to join in with him in his work, in this neighborhood, and in this world. The restoration of all of creation until the whole earth is filled with the glory of God and all creation cries holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. May it be so. Amen.